Hey everybody, welcome to Dollar Dollar Bills, a way of life to build personal wealth and financial freedom. I'm coming to you today with another special guest. I've had a few in the past, but this this one's really special and I'm looking forward to really talking to him. It's Isaac Sebaeus. I hope I pronounced your last name right. I don't think I've ever said your last name, Isaac. <laughs> Close enough. Sebaeus, Sebaeus. I've gotten 30 different pronunciations. I so love it. We're all good. I love it. Well, coming to you with Isaac. Isaac is an ex-coworker kind of turned into hopefully lifelong friend and great network person professionally, I think, and personally. When you listen to him speak today, I, we were just talking. I can't believe he's only 30, but he's 30 years old. He's done some really great things. I actually met him, you know, at a, like I said, at a previous job. And, you know, now he currently works at Amazon. And I want to point out he is remote. So that's, that's a trend that I love seeing these days. And I think our generation is really is really building off that nicely and, and really, you know, proactively taking the reins on that, on that remote approach and the flexibility and freedom in that work-life balance. But just a couple things about Isaac. He, he manages and supports global corporate initiatives and new development launch projects. He also manages internal stakeholders and supplier relations with, within various commodities. He additionally interfaces with commodity managers, engineering, project managers, quality groups, and senior leadership. And again, he's now newly, um, I, I will say, at, at Amazon. He's been actually with a couple of different really interesting high tech companies and, and really building his, you know, very traditional corporate experience there. But on a personal level, you know, and, and this goes for you guys out there who are listening or are interested in connecting with Isaac, maybe personally or professionally in the future, he's really interested in, you know, uh, anything technology related, but also how the world's going to and could evolve in the future. He's also a, a proud Michigan State Spartan. He loves music. He loves to play his acoustic guitar, which I have heard personally, and he is great. Bouldering, biking with his Greyhound Cairo, and just being, I think, being active and being being social and being kind of out in the world. Also, he is interested, what I've recently learned, and it kind of goes into his professional background and his portfolio, is building his, you know, real estate assets and how that can actually build up some additional income for him kind of as a, as a side thing, but, but maybe not in the future. So I, I do want him to elaborate on that for you guys. But yeah, just connect with him and we'll share his details at the end of this podcast. But if you want to talk about anything real estate related, personal development related, anything about traveling, world events, and just the universe in general. So I want to, you know, happily introduce and, and let Isaac take it away. Thank you. Thanks, Ashley. And I'm, I'm coming to you live from my clubhouse because the internet guy at my place has yet to come and fix it. So apologize if there's any. I was wondering. Here, I was wondering if there's a specific reason why I, I noticed. I recognize the clubhouse. He came in yesterday, and then he's like, "There's some power line issue or something." And I'm like, "All right, well, I'll have to take this." Perfect. It's perfect timing. Clubhouse. It's perfect timing for this. But it's okay. <laughs> yeah. But it's okay. So you know, I'll give you a little bit of background, I guess, in general, on you know, kind of where I am and kind of how. I mean, eventually, you and I. End up crossing paths, right? Like you said, at a previous company, but you know, it's funny you, you mentioned, I think your general podcast is about networking, right? And getting to know other people and how other people think. And, and really that for me started in college. So originally I was a finance major, which, you know, surprised, right? My, my dad was a financial controller. Yep. So I kind of wanted to follow in his footsteps and it didn't really know another major. And then through networking, I met this guy whose wedding actually just stood up in an Omaha and he introduced me into package engineering. So that's kind of how you ended up yeah. Being me, right? Like as an engineer, I went to school for package engineering, graduated with that, 
he explained to me, right, again, through the power of networking, that every company would need a, a, some sort of a packaging engineer, regardless of the, of the field. So that's kind of what kind of spurred my initial vision of where and how I was going to, I didn't really know how I was going to build wealth or anything, but I knew that that was a lucrative career, that it had a lot of runway. It had a lot of, it was very well diversified because of what the guy said, right? And I studied it and ultimately changed my major to that, which truthfully wasn't just for that reason. I really did enjoy it. Michigan State has one of the best programs in the nation, if not the world. So I'll, I'll call that out. So I got a really good education from that standpoint and kind of my my overall I guess the opportunity sort of opened up by themselves. So ended up doing a couple of internships with uh, Toyota Motors, ended up working with them for a couple of years. And eventually that got me down to Texas to the point of where I initially met you um, moving on to, you know, to Phillips Lighting as an engineer. So, but it's interesting. I think when I originally graduated, right, I think everybody has this innate kind of excitement, right? You get your first job, you're making real money and, and you don't really know what to do with it. It's more money than you've ever seen, especially as a college person. And I think for me, based on the way that I was raised with my parents, right? They, they, they really kind of drove it down deep that savings was always a priority. So from the moment that I think I was making $46,000, probably with, you know, with commission, because it was like a partial sales role, maybe 50K, right? So that's kind of where I started off. And immediately my initial thought was, well, how can I maximize the value? Like I want to live in a nice place, don't want to overspend. So I actually opted to live a little bit outside of San Antonio, which is where I was based out of, Instead of living in the city center, lived a little bit outside, still a nice place, right? Didn't get the biggest apartment, rented out something for, back then, it sounds crazy to say it now, right? But $909. I remember I remember the rental price because it's so crazy to me yeah. right now. So one bedroom, 650 square feet, amazing, right? Brand new, but a little bit outside of the city. And so rather than going with the larger, the larger unit size, you know, again, because I was born into a family that just maximizes value and I knew that renting overall wasn't going to be the best bang for my buck. I, that's kind of how I started. So I started basically putting away 50%, you know, even from there, right? I was living on 25K a year and 50% was being put away, starting to think about, and, and I didn't really know why, right? Again, didn't really have any plans for investing. I didn't know what I was going to buy. I had absolutely zero idea of where to put my money, much, much like I think a lot of our younger viewers really are, right? Yep. Or your younger listeners. You don't really know why, but the first step is just to get into the habit of just putting away money. And exactly. then figuring out what you're going to do. And this is something that I tell my sister all the time as well. So, you know, over the span of a year or two, it kind of starts to build up, right? And then I started thinking, okay, well, you know, kind of looking at what could potentially happen if you end up losing your job or a career, you have six months worth of runway where you don't have to move back home with your parents. So that was my initial milestone, right? right. Don't want to move back in with mom and dad. Don't want to admit defeat in the first couple of years of being a professional. So let me just try to build up some sort of a nest egg that could carry me through a year's worth of rent. Well, you know, within a couple of years I had that and it was, you know, to me, I think it was a year's worth of rent at the time was like 24,000 bucks. Right. So it was like amazing. I was like, I've never had that much money saved up, right. but again, I still didn't know what was going on. So eventually that company asked me to relocate back to Michigan. And frankly, I had moved to Texas because I wanted to be here. I don't know what drove me. I felt like it was, the, again, I, I think sometimes, it's your own vision or just luck or whatever you want to call it. I, I think I thought that Texas was going to be the place to be. So I just didn't want to move back to Michigan. I had just, you know, spent 18 years living there. So I ended up getting the job at Phillips where you met me and ended up continuing my career as a, as a, as a professional and kind of bumped up my salary quite a bit. At that point, I, I started to learn how to negotiate. I've always liked to argue. So I, I kind of, you know, you look up your salaries and, and you can you do comparative analysis on Glassdoor and figure out that you can ask for X, right? 
So at that point, I think um, paying me like 75. So from 50 to 75, I was like, holy crap, like you guys, are you guys sure? And I think at the time, you know, to kind of, I think you had a previous podcast on this, kind of moving from level to level, yeah. it, it, those incremental changes when you move companies, it even surprises you, right, as a person. And I'm like, I can't believe they're gonna pay me that much to do this job. But as you know, I was based on a corporate group in Somerset. So their the HR department, they don't really know, right, how to comp in Texas. So I'm based out of the East Coast, right. leveraging a salary leveraging from the East Coast. Exactly. They, were, they, they were paying everybody in the East Coast 75, so they're paying me 75. Well, with the lack of income and tax that we right. have here, yeah. I was I was getting a massive deal. So I was like, holy crap. And at that point, I'm still living in San Antonio, which is massively cheaper than Austin. But, you know, traveling for work up uh, up to the middle ground where the, where the factory is located. But it, again, got that much money, didn't move apartments, just renewed kept on saving half, right? You just keep on, you yeah. keep on, you, you don't really upgrade your life from that perspective. And, and so. I want to stop you there because that, that is such a big topic and concept is, yeah. is the whole idea of, and I know a lot of people who don't do it. Like a lot of people don't think when they see a bigger, and I will tell you, you know, Aldo is the first one I think of who, who I know did this because at one point he was making like 90,000 a year at, at like 25. And it seems like a lot of money. And, but when you blow it, so it's nice. It's it's really nice. I want people to hear what you just said is when you make those incremental, whether they're, you know, 10% or, you know, 50% incremental changes in your professional, you know, career, aka also your salary, that you're not just all of a sudden using that same incremental increase well, from a standard of living standpoint. You're, you're, not, you're not increasing how much you're spending. You're really still maintaining that. And that is really, that's the key to, you know, slowly also building that wealth. And I would say, and I would say this, Ashley, I still drive the car that I had, right? That's when amazing. I, when I graduated college. That's it's amazing. It's got almost 200,000 miles and people look at me kind of weird. They're like, well, why, why aren't you driving around, in a, you know, in a Mercedes or something? And like probably could, but to your point, it's not spending more, but then also, I mean, if you're a car enthusiast, I'm never going to rag on somebody, 100%. right? That, that's something that makes you happy. But for me, like you mentioned in the, earlier in the, in the podcast, I work remote. So yeah. 90% of my time is spent just around my house. So it doesn't make sense. Now... I don't want to say that you shouldn't treat yourself right because 100%. you should feel happy that you that you made that incremental move. Right, but, but that is not. A, but to your point, that example of the car is not a priority for you. Not you a need priority. to focus on the priorities that are important to you, the things that are important to you, and then and then absolutely, I think you should treat yourself because I'm also not a fan of. And I said it in in a post that I made about my last millionaire podcast was like I'm not doing beans and rice like every yeah. day of the week. I'm not doing know. that. You don't need to. We do didn't that. do that the other day. I mean, we we were, we're hanging out. Exactly. You know, like uh, drinking mimosas, having like enjoying our, ourselves yeah. and our life. And I also I think that's so important. Is like I you don't have to go to either extreme, right? You really have to figure out how you can you can you can strategize you know, that incremental and then what's what you and then you prioritize that, right? Or for you, and maybe we can talk about it, you know, here in a bit is dump some of that money into real estate, you know, into other yep. investments that you know, are going to be absolutely, you know, are going to be, you know, a car is a depreciating asset. And it really always will be minus the weird COVID stuff that happened. With minus this year. <laughs> yeah, minus, minus this last like year and a half. But in, in general, like you can then, you know, really dump it into things that are going to going to kill it for you in the long term. And, and also even from a hands-off standpoint to allow you to grow even more incrementally, you know, uh, but anyways, I, I just, I like, I like that, that those are really important concepts and topics. I think that we, I wanted to highlight. So th- I think at that point I treated myself by getting a bouldering full pass, right? I yeah. was like, all right, I can afford the 50 bucks per month at the time. And I was like, this is, this is right. my treat to myself. It's something that I want. 
But again, now leading into your next point, right? At that point, making that amount of money and had saved for years, I had enough of a lump sum to do something with it. So I no longer had the rent. I was like, well, what am I going to do with this money? Like if there's enough money here where I can invest it, I knew at, at that time, and I'm kind of skipping a couple steps, I had met a friend that was living in Austin. She was working for Dell and she had invited me up to Austin. I just fell in love with it. I was like, well, I, I work in between Austin and San Antonio. I can just move next year. So I tried it out for a year, did the, you know, I rented on rainy, did the expensive apartment. Yeah. I did a studio. So even, even still in my mind, thinking conservatively, I did a studio and did, you know, I don't think, I don't even think I had internet that year. I was like, I'm going to compromise somehow here, but I did the studio and I was like, you know what? I really like Austin, but maybe not exactly downtown. I need to buy something though. I started to see that trend and I was like, I don't want to rent anymore. Yeah. I started to do math. I started to get a little smarter, right? Doing some reading. And I was like, how much did I just spend on rent? And of course, when you start off, right, everyone has to rent. Like if you're not living with your parents or if you don't have the ability to, to have your parents help you to buy an investment property right away, I get it. You have to, you have to rent. But I think it's trialing those things out to see how it fits into your life. So that, that matters so much. So I, I trialed, you know, if I already lived at that point in a couple apartments, now living on rainy, I was like, you know, I kind of want to be close to downtown. I was in my earlier 20s. I'm like, but I, but I want to make it an investment. What can be an investment? So I started to research new development projects and kind of ran into the, the first property that I had bought. At the time, it was literally a hill. So it was a very, very much pre-construction. And sometimes people can be very wary of that. And I think it yeah. depends country by country. Some pre-construction projects, country by country, have different regulations. I'd say in the states, it's pretty a safe bet. There's a, a lot of regulatory bodies that make sure that the pre-construction goes well. Of course, there's a level of risk because as people are building and the builders are there, they could mess up, right? And then you're, you know, inevitably insurance will take over, but that can affect your your, your trajectory of your project. In either case, I was like, it's going to be worth the risk. Yeah. So I put earnest money down. I think. I'm trying to remember the numbers at the time. It was like 10 grand. And to me, that just seemed like an incredible amount of money. Of course. Yeah. And, 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 and I think, like I said, at the time, by that point, I probably had like maybe 50 grand saved up. Right. Yeah. So I put down 10 grand and I'm like, okay, that's your earnest money. You got to do 20%. You got to do closing costs. The property at the time, it's a, it's a, I don't know if you want, we want, we want to talk numbers, which I think it's relevant. I right? love talking numbers. Let's do it. <laughs> $270,000 for 575 square feet at the time yeah. that, sounded insane to me. I was like, they're like, I thought I was doing something really ludicrous, right? I was like, this is crazy, but whatever. I've always wanted to live in a swanky apartment downtown. I'm going to just do it. I feel like this could make money at some point. And even if it doesn't, I was like, at the very least, I'm not renting. So I put it down. I put down the earnest money and then ended up getting an opportunity to move to Connecticut for a different job to kind of grow my career. So I was like, shit, <laughs> how do you then balance your real estate portfolio? And then as it's getting built, you know, I'm, I'm moving somewhere else and then I have to close on this apartment. But I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I got to take this opportunity for my professional yeah. development. And then I'll find my way back to Texas at some point because it's where I want to be. But I have to do this because it's it's the right thing for my development. So one thing that I think makes sense to mention to people is that because I hear this a lot. People are scared to invest in real estate because they feel like they're tying roots down. Yeah. Right. They're, they're putting roots down. I think what people fail to realize is you can rent it. There's so many things you can do with it. You can sell it. You can leave it there, right? You can let it appreciate by itself if you're in an appreciating city. But I think these psychological aspects, I've heard this from different people, including you know my own sister when she had bought her first property. They're like, I just don't want to be tied down. I just don't know if I want to be here long term. And I think the rule of thumb is you, know, you should buy if you're going to be there five years. I, I don't personally believe in that. I think you should buy if it's the right investment. Correct. And if it's somewhere where you could see yourself living at some point in your life, right? Even now, as an adult, I already, you know, I sold the property, obviously, but I could see myself 
I could have moved back there. So you, you want to buy things that I think you want to see yourself in regardless of where life takes you. And so again, in this example, right, I, I'm being pulled off to the East Coast with an investment property in Texas. Psychologically to somebody that would have been like, you know, I can't leave for this job because I got this property I really want to live in. You can't be so tied to your, you can be tied to your vision, but not to the details. Yeah. Right. I love that. So I left. I mean, I ended up leaving. I went to Connecticut. Now my starting salary was 118000 So I had left, I think, Phillips making somewhere close to eighty. One hundred eighteen thousand to me was crazy. But again, leveraging that East Coast money because you can leverage the fact that it's a higher cost of living. So you're doing negotiations with companies and you're moving to the West Coast. You're moving to the East Coast. You can make those incremental moves because it's it's more expensive. But exactly. again, went back to renting because I had to. I wasn't going to buy in Connecticut. I didn't feel like that was my long-term play. I didn't stay in the best place in the hippest place, I stayed somewhere a little bit off again and started to build my career there. Eventually, you know, pandemic hits, get the opportunity to move back and the property's still there, right? And it had been appreciating while I was away. Um, actually, I had left it empty for like six months, right? Because you, you, there was like a rule where you weren't allowed to rent it. But even so, you know, yeah. doing all the math, I was like, this still makes sense because it's appreciating. It's an appreciating asset. I ended up moving back and that was a real game changer because now not paying rent, you know, just putting money directly into the property you're, you're, I was sitting there in COVID, but you know you have all the amenities to be able to work, and, and everything was fine. I think I will say this though, and I think you, know, you, you can stop me here, but the the problem sometimes happens when you there's there's a balance that you have to do with your personal life as well. So as I'm doing all this for my professional and for my investing life, I think it's important to try to also prioritize like your personal life. I definitely, I'll say it honestly, you know, here to you, I definitely derailed a relationship for all this, right? But I felt like it was necessary in my earlier twenties. So moving back, trying to get that to work wasn't really, again, my priority, but the investment was still growing. So I guess what I'm trying to say is no matter what's happening in your life, emotionally, psychologically, whatever, even as you're a younger person, you should, you should try to think outside of that and think of what you're going to feel like five years from now, 10 years from now, like not to try to derail your personal relationships necessarily, but to try to kind of compartmentalize that part, the investment part should be separate from everything else that you do. Yeah. You should try to take some of the emotion out of it. I 100%. think that's the best advice that I could give anybody because I was in that position. It's a very emotional process to buy a property and not be able to live in it. It's a very emotional process to be able to have to move and try to do a long distance relationship where you have a property there and you know you could just move back. But it's it's about delaying that immediate gratification, I think, and try to take some some of the logic or some of the emotion out of it and put the logic back in. I love so, that. And, and you know, and I've talked about it in previous podcasts, like, mo- like, especially when, you, when it, it's money and it's your money, like the, there's such a, there's such an emotional tie to that always and trying to, and that's actually where, what gets people in trouble a lot of the times, right? Is yeah. they will do something emotionally or something where they're not th- actually thinking it through because they're either in a, you know, something has happened and they need to, they need to make a decision and they usually make a bad decision or to your point, you know, maybe something personally kind of derails their, you know, their financial goals for whatever reason and forces, forces some bad decisions. So I think, I think that's great advice. I, it's so much easier said than done, but I think it's really, really good to have that kind of logical check, you know, even like gut check when you're about to do something. It's so that you can check your emotions a bit. Yeah. And and compartmentalize if possible. But yeah, I totally agree. You're absolutely right. Because and man, I, I mean, I'm 30 now, right? I've reached that milestone. And I think back on my 20s, there were a lot of emotional decisions that, that I didn't make or that I could have made wrong. And that affects your financial future. So I think it is important to just completely 
it, it's hard. And I, I guess it's I can't, hard. I mean, when you want to do a podcast on that alone, how do you take emotion out of it? But I, I just kept on thinking, man, I got to be selfish. Like, how's this going to affect me? You know, and ultimately, how's this going to affect my future partner, whether it's this person that I'm with now or whether it's somebody else? Like, yeah. is this something that's going to affect my ability to win with somebody else yeah. or with the person that you're with? Right. You can't think negatively all the time, but it's like you do have to think selfishly in your 20s. 100%. And I think a lot of people make the mistake they either maybe move in together too soon or they, they let people influence your your mindset. You know, I think we're living in an age today where like people are very, it's very much social media driven and you see all these people taking these fantastic trips out to, you know, Bora Bora. And I'm not saying, we, I mean, I, I do it, right? Like we, we right. all take trips, right? But it's like, you know, nobody really knows what's behind all those trips. Are they smart financial decisions or not? And then you have, maybe you have a partner that it just really loves doing that. Okay, that may align with your goals, but if but if ultimately you're saving up for a house or you're doing something, you can't have everything at once. You need to be able to compartmentalize and be able to delay that gratification to get to a point in your in your future that that's sustainable to do Agreed. all those things. Agreed. So, so I ended up selling the place. You know this recently for personal reasons. I was kind of sick of being downtown already, but I wanted to move into something that at least in Austin, because you know it's still growing, that made sense for me. So I, I bought the place that you, that you, you know out in Eastern Park, mm-hmm. 15 minutes away. Definitely not where you would consider necessarily hip, but definitely a growing area. Again, taking the risk of this growing out into something that's better, probably profited over 100K. I mean, for me yeah. doing nothing three years and living in it. And this is after expenses of me actually living in it. You know, yeah. like I'm talking net, like no, not paying rent, whatever. And just kind of rolled that into the, the, the new property. Meanwhile, as all this is happening, I'm still saving up, right? Yeah. So I continue to save up through the pandemic. And I think for a lot of us, that was actually... A positive thing because you couldn't go out totally. saving even more money yeah, I was so. like, we say well minus the fact that like <laughs> online and purchases like, yeah. like i will i can't even tell you how much aldo spent on it was one month in, on amazon purchases for no reason i mean we, we reeled it in thank god but like for the most part you're totally right like it's it was a huge i mean you're not driving your car you're not commuting to work you're you know so like the gas you're not spending you're you're maybe spending a little bit more on groceries because you're like getting delivery but, you know, there's so yeah. many things that you're really safe. You're not going out to, you know, eat and going to the bar and, like, all these no. other things, movies. So it's, it's it's super helpful. It was, yeah, it was helpful for us, for sure. I think a lot of people, I have talked to different people. I'm like, hey, your savings must have went up, right? And, and 9 out of 10 people say what you just said. Yeah, you can't travel. Yeah. You can't go out to eat. You can't do anything. So that was a really good opportunity for me. At the time, I actually ended up getting a promotion in my job. So the job from Connecticut let me move back pandemic reasons, right? So they didn't really care. I ended up getting a promotion. But now here's where I think it gets tricky. I, mean, I think you kind of alluded this to you in your last podcast when you were going through your trajectory. Tune in next time for part two of my interview with Isaac. And in the meantime, always remember, respect yourself by respecting your money. We'll talk soon.